Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fire Neural Network's brand new podcast series called Fired Up. I'm your host, Christine, and I have the pleasure of speaking uh, with a variety of different thought leaders from around the world who are vested in the fire industry. And so today, I'm very excited to bring on our guest. Uh, her name is Rocio Vitaye, and she's the CEO of Improving Aviation. Her company uses aerial intelligence using drones and a combination of ground area sensors to help combat climate change and help assist military and uh, stop wildfires. So without further ado, I'd love to bring on Rocio to the show. Rocio, welcome. Good morning. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. Where are you calling in from? I am at a Tech Connect conference in Washington, D.C., but we are from Tampa, Florida. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Rocio, let's start off with, uh, with a basic question. I I'd love to learn more about your background. Yeah, so uh, I'm an aerospace engineer by training, but I've gotten into this field of wildfires. Um, this is a passion, and I think we're all trying to do something that's very good. Uh, so I started the company Improving Aviation after seven years working as an aerospace consultant. And generally, we're doing aerospace intelligence. We use drones, connect to other sensors in the ground, um, satellite imagery, and try to predict geospatial intelligence for climate-related applications. And wildfire is one of the ones that we're most passionate about. Absolutely. And, and I'm happy to hear that, too, coming from Fire Neural Network. Our passion is to stop wildfire spreads and, and catch them immediately. Uh, so I'm excited to chat a little bit more about the technology that you're using and um, just the evolution of the, of the industry. Um, but first, I want to learn more about you. So can you tell me about your passion? You know, where did this, where did this start? Yeah, so again, I'm into airplanes, which seems like a little bit farther off from wildfires. But I started working on the aviation industry and really got into drones. And I was using a lot of, I was doing a lot of weather modeling and deriving winds from drones and deriving turbulence. And I met uh, this girl at a Georgia Tech Women's Founder event who was a wildfire scientist. And I told her I was doing atmospheric research and data with drones. And she was like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing if we could use it for wildfire modeling. So we started talking, uh, we got this idea of let's use the winds from the drones and put it into wildfire, let's try to develop a wildfire ember model that can predict where especially spotting occurs much better than what we can today with background wind information and weather information. And I started learning more and more about the wildfire issue. I mean, everybody knows about it, but I think until you start really getting into it and how hard and complex the problem is and like all the side effects and issues that it brings along you don't realize so then it became being more of a passion of we really need to do something about this this is not just a project that we can do on the side so uh, that's how I really got into the wildfire and we're not right now we're expanding to our real intelligence applications but wildfire was the first one Wow, that's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, let's dive in more about your company, Improving Aviation. So can you tell me uh, about 
a particularly cool project that you're working on that our listeners might want to learn about? Yeah, so we have a software platform where we network drones and other ground sensors. We bring sensor data from satellite imagery, from other um, data sources on the cloud, and we combine everything and provide geospatial intelligence. So in the terms of wildfire, uh, we're using to predict the spotting. And the spotting is one of the bigger issues where unless you know the wind information and the weather that the fire actually creates, it's really hard to predict. So this is where high resolution data in the field, in the wildfire is helping us. So that's a project that we're doing with NOAA, where we're using drones. We've been deploying drones in wildfires, sorry, in prescribed fires, and we'll be going to wildfires in the next year and the next two years to collect wind information and try to predict where, how the wildfire is going to spread in real time. Um, improving aviation does other work, so we also get into well, how to operate drones uh, with manned aircraft. So, for example, and the wildfire is the best use case, where you have manned helicopters, you also have, maybe now we're starting to bring drones, ground robots, so how do you operate everyone safe? So, we're working with NASA on that aerospace integration uh, and how to deconflict all the manned and manned vehicles that may be on a wildfire. And we're also working with the Air Force. So for the Air Force, we're going more on a defense adaptation of military intelligence and how we can use aerial platform for very high resolution intelligence. Wow, that is, that's amazing. And I'm sure that takes you all over the world. So you're, you probably stay pretty busy. <laughs> Yeah, so we were trying to schedule for for this to happen and I was like, well, Christine, I'm going to be here and there, so let me grab a day where I'm not flying. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's fun. We meet a lot of people. We learn about a lot of issues and a lot of things that can be done. That's probably one of the hardest things to stay focused um, because, you know, everybody's trying to solve great great challenges. I can imagine. I can imagine. So what's a particularly complex problem that you've encountered uh, through growing this business and working with different clients? Yeah, I think uh, focus is probably one of them is, you know, we're a startup, so we're super flexible, but at the same time, we don't have unlimited resources. And, you know, maybe we meet uh, Jake from Fire Neural Network and he's like, oh, it would be amazing if we could do this because maybe we could combine the drones and and that sounds like such a cool project and something that would be very interesting. But then the next day you go to another conference and meet someone else and they also have a different problem. So it's very hard with all these very complex problems and people trying to do the best solutions to stay focused and decide, okay, what are we going to deploy first? How are we going to maintain true to our vision and uh, what's, what's a priority? And I think that that's one of our biggest challenges. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurial mindset? And, uh, you know, obviously FNN is also a startup. And so like you mentioned, we share a lot of that same mentality and the same challenges. C can you share your experience, just, you know, how you decided you wanted to become an entrepreneur and how the path has looked so far? Sure. 
So I think that's always something that's been on the back of my mind. Uh, both of my parents are entrepreneurs. Uh, they have small businesses. I'm originally from Spain. So I always wanted to do that. I also was in a consulting firm. And while it was great and I learned so much, uh, being at a larger firm doesn't allow you the creativity and the flexibility to do your, uh, to take your ideas to reality. And uh, that's something that I always wanted to do. And I felt like entrepreneurship could be one of uh, the options to do that. I had a good network where I started consulting for the FAA, for the Federal Aviation Administration and NASA. So I felt like it was the right time. And it's been a great, it's been exciting. I mean, there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows and it's kind of a roller coaster ride. But uh, I think that being surrounded and having a support system and luckily in Florida and in Tampa we do have that with so many organizations that support us for a marketing perspective for helping us get grants from the federal government so I think that understanding that as an entrepreneur and startups especially we don't have unlimited resources we actually have very few resources and everybody needs to learn how to do everything and then, but also getting the support from those organizations that, at least for us, has been critical because we can fill the gaps that we can't in-house. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. You need to be scrappy as a small company <laughs> yeah. an entrepreneur. It's got to run through your blood. So it sounds like yes. you have that, definitely. Uh, and so I'm curious if there's any sort of cultural differences working with different, you know, fire departments, different organizations. Um, it sounds like you have obviously roots in Spain and in Europe, but also you're working in the States. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some challenges that you've encountered uh, culturally? Yeah, so I think we, wildfires and technology, that's very two different opposites of the spectrum when it comes to technology development. And when we talk to wildfire, uh, to firefighters, especially wildfire firefighters or helicopter fires, uh, wildfire pilots, they are used to doing their thing based on intuition. And they know that better than anybody and they're completely right to do so because that's the one, they're the ones that are putting their lives um, on the line and you know so it's very hard for a technology company to try and change that mindset where I'm going to bring you a drone that can do what that can that is going to tell you where the wildfire is going and so I was like well I've been doing this for 20 years and I rely on nothing but my intuition to tell me where the wildfire is going so cultural change is probably one of the biggest barriers for technology to enter the wildfire industry sensitive about how wildfire fighters do their thing because we're mostly scientists so as a scientist who personally I had never been to a wildfire before how am I gonna tell a firefighter what they need to do and not do like that doesn't make sense so I think changing that culture and more for us as scientists to understand that they're putting their lives on the line and that this cultural change has to be very smooth in um, that's the biggest that's how we may be able to bridge that gap, which I think for me is the biggest issue to bring in these technologies to life. I can imagine, you know, these people are, have been fighting fires for decades. And so for a revolutionary technology to come and, you know, take the place of potentially some jobs, I'm sure you're met with some apprehension at times. Um, 
but the storytelling behind it, I think, is is so powerful. And that's actually one of the reasons why FNN we started this podcast is to really tell the story of people and humans who are involved in the, in this industry who are just trying to help. Uh, and so, in showcasing really cool technology while we're at it too. Um, and so, for for a layman, say for example, you're describing it to your grandma, could you? <laughs> Could you just like simply break down in the beginning, you you broke down pretty extensively, you know, what the process looks like for the drones and, you know, capturing the data. But can you just break it down even more simply and just, you know, from say you, you bring a client on board, what is your process look like from day zero to, you know, when you've already onboarded them and they're leveraging your technology? Yeah, for sure. So we actually work with different types of uh, partners in, for example, one of them is doing already doing aerial mapping or wildfires for the forest service. So in this case, what we are working on with them is to retrofit one of the airplanes where they are doing the wildfire mapping and by retrofitting, sorry, that was a very aviation term. Um, so we're <laughs> essentially putting a wind sensor temperature sensor and so that we can collect atmospheric data on the airplane while they are doing the wildfire mapping. So in this case, and um, we have a camera as well. So our weather sensors that are on the airplane are collecting atmospheric data while we have a camera with a machine learning algorithm that it's running on board uh, and we're detecting where the wildfire is um, in real time automatically with machine learning models. So um, we also have a digital map of the area of the United States that we can pull in real time. So in this digital map, let's say that we go out to a fire in New Mexico. Uh, we take the area that we are surveying and we create a digital map that has the elevation model. So we know what the slope is on the mountains because that's going to determine areas where the wildfire may propagate faster. Uh, we also map areas where, and then we map the vegetation. So if we have dry vegetation, the wildfire is going to burn faster there. And if, for example, if there is a body of water, there is, the wildfire is not going to propagate through the bodies of water. So we create that kind of digital map of how the surface looks like. Then with the camera, we map where the wildfire is so that we can get the coordinates of the perimeter of the wildfire. And uh, what we're working on, and this is part of our research project, is to network everything in real time. So we have that done for um, prescribed fires where while we're collecting all the data, we send it back to a control station and upload it to our servers in real time. So we have a latency of six seconds between the time that we get the message, we get it on the cloud. And then on the cloud, uh, we bring everything together the wildfire perimeter, the digital map, and then run our wildfire model and try to predict where the wildfire is. So for these companies who are already providing wildfire services and are providing the maps to the forest service of where the perimeter is, we're trying to add that additional layer of, okay, here is where it is today or right now, uh, today, and this is where we think it's going to be tomorrow. Okay, that that is very helpful. Thank you for breaking that down. So basically, you're just collecting a ton of data and collecting it, collecting it, and then that's helping you predict, you know, where the where it will spread, where the next wildfire will be, and just providing more of a guide 
for these organizations to better understand, you know, and better be prepared? Yeah, exactly. There is uh, one of the biggest issues that we found out on our research is that unless you have data from the wildfire itself, in situ data, getting weather from a ground a weather station that is 50 miles away is not going to give us enough information that we can predict reliably where the wildfire is going. So we're trying to collect all that data in real time in situ so that we can make a much better prediction. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so you mentioned that you haven't been to a wildfire before. Uh, is there a reason for that? I feel like that would be exciting, but I mean, obviously also dangerous, but it is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious why you haven't ex been to one yet. Yeah, so we're pretty new to the topic. Uh, it's been only a couple of years that we started working on the wildfires and we've brought, we have people on the team who are on the wildfire scientists that are have been wildfire fighters, so they all have gone to the wildfire as the project manager, if we can say so. Uh, I haven't been to any yet, but uh, our budget was actually very, very limited. We just got selected for a funding increase by NOAA that uh, we have budgeted for the whole team to go to wildfires in the next uh, year or in the next two years so um, starting uh, the next wildfire season we're going to be going and I think that's that's to me is the most exciting part of the project for sure. Definitely yeah well I <laughs> talk about a very unique team outing I, you know there's no other industry that <laughs> would actively search out a wildfire and take the team mm -hmm. and, and there to uh to experience it but i'm sure that's going to add another level of you know gravity to what you're doing and, and being there in person feeling that it's um i'm sure it'll add even more uh motive for you to continue what you're doing and and save more lives um so i'm excited for you guys to to go out and experience that um last question you. for you so do you have any you know words of wisdom or advice to those in the fire industry who really want to you know do what you're doing and do what fnn is doing is just you know get into technology but also combine that with combating wildfires do you have any words of advice for people who are interested in that yeah, I think it's a lot, uh, or at least to me, one of the keys that we found is to be compassionate about what others are doing. So as we were saying before, there is such a big gap into what the academic and the research uh, groups are doing and what really happens in a wildfire. And maybe you say like, you haven't even been to one, and that's probably exactly the issue. You know, we have scientists doing something on the rooms and we have wildfires doing a complete different thing. And there, there is a huge gap. But I think everybody needs to be understanding and very sensitive of what the other is doing, because it's not a gap that we're going to bridge by saying, here is my technology or I've developed a, a model that is much better than what you're doing right now. So I think really understanding how wildfire operations are, uh, be sensi being sensitive about the firefighter and what they really are doing and how dangerous it is for them and like they have families and all of you know that that care uh we live very for us it's very easy we know that we're gonna go back home at the end of the day so i would say that my biggest advice is to try to bridge the gap by learning to understand definitely 
Definitely. Yes. Being empathetic is always, always a good thing, especially in such a dangerous industry. So I couldn't agree more uh, with what you just said. Rocio, thank you so much for your time. As we were talking before, you're extremely busy. So really grateful you were able to carve out some time and, and join us on our podcast. Of course, and thank you. Best of luck to Paraneural Networks. Uh, we met, I think, six, eight months ago, and I loved the atmosphere, the driven, how driven your team was, and the mission that you guys are doing. So uh, I hope we can we can do some cool things together. Definitely. All right, Rocio. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.